0: Down to the last comic shop. In five, four, three, two, one. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do
1: that defines me. No, 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 no. It's you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs>
0: And welcome back to
1: the last comic shop! Where every week we open up long boxes, movie quotes included, and bring people into the comic book tent. And we leave the long
2: boxes open for the oldies that are looking for their back issues that are 30, 40 years old. That's true! <laughs> We do like to cover comic books that are that old,
0: and we're going to cover one on today's program, even though it didn't seem that old to me. That's just because I'm old, too. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and welcome back to another week. I'm joined by my regular co-host, Jay Scott. As well as Chad Smith, as well as this week our wonderful guest post. It is my wonderful brother Ethan Larson. Ethan, welcome back to the shop, buddy.
3: For God's sakes, please do not send me in that basement with a back issue. I can't do it again. I can't do it. Lord, help me. I can't go down there. That must <laughs> build character. That's
0: right. Don't worry about the bat guano. We've got a guy coming next Tuesday. He's gonna clean it out. You just kind of. Hold your nose and just walk past It's fine And speaking of Bat Guano We hope that this week's show doesn't smell like it The Batman movie just came out in theaters And we're reviewing a Batman book On today's program You don't think we like to get synergy with our fans? Heck yeah, we like to And this week we got this wonderful one From the 80s It is called 10 Nights of the Beast Done by Jim Starlin With Jim Apparel art. And I'm really, really excited to be reviewing it because it's a comic book that I've read bits and pieces of, but I actually never got to read all of
2: it. And neither did the rest of the guys on today's show. Right, guys? Yeah, me too. I was a huge Batman nut in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, thanks to the movies. And Jim Aparo and Norm Brayfogle, they influenced my Batman. But I came on just after this run had been completed. So, like, the Jim Starlin run goes right up until they do the hotline to kill Robin. And then he gets one or two more issues and then is taken off the book. Boy, his Batman is just incredible. And he's he's a really conflicted Batman, too. We'll get to this in the initial thoughts.
0: But, like, this is a Batman that's really struggling not to kill people <laughs>
2: constantly. He's just like, yeah, I want to straight up murder these people. No, I can't. I'm Batman, right? I mean... Hey- and he's really good at what he does like batman should be but he's not like so great like he gets stabbed you know his arm
1: broken and stuff like that shot in the shoulder like five times
3: that's the first thing i thought of when i was reading this i was like doesn't batman have better armor than this i mean he gets stabbed He breaks his toes and something yeah yeah,
2: yeah. he 80s all he had was just another suit in the car right almost like die hard batman like the whole
0: time How much punishment can we inflict on this batman before he breaks like he's climbing up elevator shafts it's a really john McClane kind of a batman that we got here but that's that's good that's good for a batman i don't like a batman that's infallible and i like somebody that has to work to be batman which i think in jim starlin's runner at least the four issues we read today is the case but as we've got uh, a Batman movie review later in today's program, we're going to get right into this comic book review right now, and we're going to start off with those creators of the book. J.A., I mentioned them just a few moments ago, but there was other
1: people that worked on it too. Yeah, as you said, the entire series was written by Jim Starlin and penciled by Jim Aparo, with ink by Mike DiCarlo, lettering by Augustine Mass. And colors by Adrian Roy, and then all the covers were done by Mike Zack. That's a loose. Secret Wars fame. Right!
2: Secret Wars, Craven's Last Hunt. Captain America versus Wolverine in that one annual. Man, Mike Zack. Whew. And speaking of covers, uh, for
0: those people that might be interested in picking up this particular uh, four-issue run in a trade, there's an awesome one that you can get on shelves right now. It's called Batman the Cape Crusader Volume 1. And not only does it have this four-issue run, but it has a lot of the rest of the Jim Starlin run from this era. And each of them has like great covers, including an awesome cover
2: from a very young Todd McFarlane before he even got to Spider-Man, which was kind of awesome. And it's also kind of weird... At one point, somebody pointed out to me on the McFarlane cover that Batman has too many hands, <laughs> and I can't unsee it. Like, how is this cape going up the way that it is, and he's he's cradling this young lady, and then
0: <laughs> right. But check it out for yourself again, Cape Crusader Volume 1, if you want to pick this up. There's, a, there's also a, a trade that was released a long time ago that you still might find in buck bins or something with just these four issues. It's called 10 Nights of the Beast. But anyways, let's get that 10 cent synopsis. So Ethan, what happens in these four issues
3: of Batman? Because Andrew told me to do an elevator pitch, so here it goes. Russian dominatrix tries to kill everybody that's involved in the Star Wars initiative and eventually tries to kill the president, and Batman stops
0: him. And there's this cool cinder block scene! You forgot about the cinder blocks!
1: I, I, do, I do like how all the, the scientists conveniently work in Gotham. I mean, the artist is a legend, but,
3: like, all of his dudes look exactly the same. There's 15 guys with the David Hasselhoff I,
2: I wanted to talk about that, too, because, like, Jim Apero is an artist that I discovered as a kid growing up. He's like your Dollar General, Neil Adams. Who is one of the definitive Batman artists of all time? Oh, that's harsh, Dollar okay. General. Well, okay, more harsh than I intended to be because Jim Aparo is great. He's a legend unto his own right, but his style is very reflective of Neil Adams. Right. In that similar vein, I I won't lie that Jim
0: Aparo is probably my definitive Batman artist. Like, when I think of Batman, I think more often of Jim Aparo's issues, including, like, the ones we we read today and some other ones, than actually even Neil Adams. And I kind of feel it's the same way that I equate John Romita to Ross Andrew, where for years I was like, oh yeah, it's John Romita that I really love when it comes to Spider-Man. No, it's actually Ross Andrew. He was the one that drew all the Spider-Man issues I like. But because it's such a similar style, that it's really hard to tell the difference between the two. So I almost feel like the Ross Andrew, the Jim Aparo, they're like the workmen. They were there for the long haul. They, they put in the years after Neil Adams and John Romita were like, this is how you should draw it. But we don't have time to do it. They came in and they said, no, we're going to do it every single issue. Working man's
2: man there. No, I can appreciate that, I, and I sound flipping the way I describe it, but absolutely, these are the guys putting the elbow grease into the issues that we knew and loved when we were growing up as comic book readers. Although I will admit to being more of a Norm Breyfogle guy. Norm's the best.
3: <laughs> I, I think, like to a certain extent, like Jim Aparo was already. I'm like, I'm going to draw Batman, really great. I got this beast character down. He's perfect. Jim Starlin was like, well, I have like 27 disposable dudes
1: that you need to draw. And it was like, mother. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it didn't help that they didn't wear consistently colored suits. They, their <laughs> suit color would change. And that's how I was tracking some of these people. I'm like, oh, that's purple suit guy. And that's green suit guy. <laughs> oh, no. Suddenly green suit guy is a purple suit. Oh, No. Yeah,
0: it is an important part of this actual story. There is a, a little bit of an ongoing mystery within this. As as Batman is tasked with stopping KG Beast, this super Russian assassin who's got cybernetic implants, although you don't see them, I don't know where they are. But anyways, he, he's, he's really effective as a killer. Evidently, there's a mole within the Secret Service or the FBI or whoever, CIA people that are protecting all these People that the KGB is supposed to be eliminating, and you're right—they all look bland. They're all blonde, or we're supposed to figure out which one is the mole. Yeah, they all look the
2: same. They're supposed to. They're government agents. They're supposed to blend in. They're supposed to blend in together and
1: into the background, doing his job. They were almost as disposable as Robin was in this (laughs) poor, poor story.
0: yeah it is the jason todd robin and it is i think this is post-crisis so they had already retconned him as the hubcap stealer uh yes. for those folks that don't know originally robin was just you know he was almost had a, an origin the same as as uh, dick grayson but then after post-crisis they're like no let's make him grittier dirtier you steal the hubcaps off the, the batmobile
1: to go into more depth of what you said about why would you steal hubcaps off the Batmobile? Why would the Batmobile have hubcaps? Well, the Batmobile in this comic book definitely has hubcaps. That is the most junk-ass jalopy I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Listen, mister, that was my superpowers Batmobile. You better check yourself before you, in fact, wreck yourself.
3: And that and that kind of speaks to a problem that I had with this book in general was uh, the tone it reminded me a lot of a CBS, you know, murder by number procedural, where the story is like this unstoppable killer. He kills ninety people. You don't care about any of them, but you do feel something when he actually commits the murder. So you want to see the NCIS agent or Batman in this scenario get the comeuppance of this guy. So you do have an invested interest there. It's just very weird to me. Where, but I the comics, I guess they were coming out of the Denny O'Neill a little bit edgier batman and then going into full like action movie batman but then he also has the goofy ass batmobile which and Robin with the little pants. Like,
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, that takes you out of it. Like I agree, because there are elements of this that were very, you know, I mean, the guy chops his hand off so he doesn't get caught, and Batman is shot and he's got bullet wounds and he's bleeding and other people are bleeding. So there's this gritty element, but at the same time, the bad guy's costume design is straight out of Pulp Fiction. It's like fighting the Gimp. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't a fan of the KG Beast?
2: He was a mountain of a man. <laughs>
1: I yeah, like that setting him up and it's like, oh, he's good. It's good. And then you see him and you're like, what's he takes that? off the trench coat and you're like, ah, put on some pants. Uh, yeah. Let's let, forget. He's got thigh high boots, leather thigh high boots.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's completely <laughs> off. But that's see, That's the thing about, you know, the, the look of KGB. It's a CBS, you know, Sunday night murder mystery. All those things worked for me and they worked for me because this was taking me back to an era that I I remember very fondly. Like it's the eighties. This is eighties Batman at its core. This is a a Batman. He's struggling with his own vigilanteism. Like he, he's like that hardline cop. He's like, when can I just put these crooks away? Like dirty, hairy kind of stuff. Just like super kitsch at this point, because the eighties were so long ago. It's almost like talking about the sixties nowadays.
2: Well, I think honestly, what you have is a Batman trapped in between eras. You have this Batman, this colorful character that wears his underpants on the outside of his pants and drives the car. The headlights are his eyes that pop up as 80s headlights would do. You still have that Batman, but you're also coming off of Batman Year One. You're gearing up for that Tim Burton Batman movie that's going to be coming out in another year or two where they're going to try to shed the holy bat spray Batman for a more adult image and you're combining it with these tropes of like 80s era thriller action movies and I think Ethan mentioned like a CBS show I think this is definitely a straight
1: up movie when they're throwing those cinder blocks planes blowing up you have political intrigue it's a John McTiernan movie definitely Predator Die Hard all this and I just want to point out KGB is not kitsch it's definitely kink I think you got the K wrong on that one Speaking of King, couldn't you
3: see this actually James Bond being in this movie? Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, when the guy is parasailing in with the bomb strapped to his chest,
3: like, that's a total James Bond, like, crazy villain move. The cinder block. That was the james bond thing more yeah
1: but no i think it all is right cinder block is like the jaws character from james bond and then you've got the the secondary agent from a country where it's either syria or cuba or something he kills a couple people and then is ultimately used by the bad guy to a nefarious (laughs) end
0: but at the same time there's there's points of this book they're very dark Again, I think somebody else mentioned it. There's one scene where KGBs has to kill, what, two people at a party? And basically poison soup to kill a whole freaking room of 30 couples? Like, I know that Ethan said nobody cares. But I was just like, that is hard core. If you're a supervillain, that's how you do it. They make KGB somebody that's a credible threat. Like, Batman's got to stop him.
2: Or else, like, lots of people are going to die. Right? And remember, this is the 80s. This is the era where Rambo got a cartoon. I remember running around in my backyard with a little plastic buoy knife and a machine gun. That was kids' entertainment back in the day. So KGB's poisoning a room of 80 people. That's just another Tuesday. So let's talk about some things that, that I guess did work. This ending
0: of this particular Ten Nights of the Beast is Fairly well known among certain comic book circles because it is one of those moments where you really do feel like Batman has broken the one code which seems to be sacrosanct, which is I don't kill people. But the fact that he likely locks KG Beast in this supply closet in a sewer that he'll never escape from. What do you guys think of that?
3: I thought for sure KG Beast would escape from that. I thought it was actually a setup to use him as another character down the line if we wanted to bring him back, instead of actually Batman going and murdering. Him. Because it just looked like there was like a couple boards maybe here and there, and I'm like, that ain't gonna stop no KGB. I mean, come on, man, he's got this cybernetic arm. He's willing to chop off his own arm so he can escape being uh, brought in by the popo. Come on, man. I mean, KGB's a badass. He, he that that room ain't gonna hold him. So like, I did not see it as this turning point of Batman is breaking his code. Or maybe that's just me. Well, I think it definitely was
2: reflective of Starlin having a Batman that was more fallible. A Batman that does get shot. A Batman that does bleed. Do you bleed? Yeah, this one bleeds. And so when he gets to that battle with KGB, there have been so many times where, where the Beast has gotten the best of him. That's his only recourse. He's like, okay, I'm gonna do this And I'm going to walk away, and it's very dark, very 80s. And keep in mind, this is the same book that blows Robin up like six issues later, right? Maybe ten.
1: My favorite part of that scene is when he goes, if I was younger, I probably would have gone in there and thrown down. But I'm older now, and I really can't be bothered, so I'm just locking you in. (laughs) (laughs) So this is how I win. I choose not to play the game.
2: I'm not in the business to protect the rules. I serve justice.
1: So, right. but uh, to, you know, agree with Ethan, I don't think he died. KG Beast is too KG, C A G E Y, not K-G-Beast. That's what I hear. Whenever somebody says KG Beast, I hear KG. See, I
2: never made that connection. That's awesome. But yeah, I can, att- I can attest for that. He does come back and he does put
1: on pants. <laughs> Who knows what he's got hidden in those thigh high boots.
0: Nothing good. Nothing I want to see. Anyways, you know, it's one of those things where it follows up a previous scene where he's talking with a CIA agent that basically talks to Batman. He says, if you bring him in, like, he's just going to walk like, they, you know, the Soviets are going to just say that he's got diplomatic immunity and this guy is going to get away with killing like 40 people. And, And Batman sees it in his face and he's like, yeah i know and so later on when this happens where he's just like nope i'm not fighting you i'm just locking you in this thing and letting you to die for me i, I still thought it was like a, at least a turning point in the batman to a darker character that maybe the 90s would bring about like this is a batman that's like willing to be like nope i'm sorry i i kind of roll like this sometimes and I'm, I mean, I'm not somebody that says that Batman's never killed anybody. If you read early Batman from the golden age, he's straight up murdering people left and right, like breaking their necks, swinging off of things and and throwing people off buildings. And so does Superman. It, it was it was a thing they did in the 30s and 40s. But you're right. Now it's become like eh, Batman doesn't do this.
2: So it, today's Batman is too perfect to do that kind of stuff. But this book, remember, they would put the little tag on the corner of their books like comics aren't just for kids. Look at this one. We've got somebody riding a motorcycle into a wire. And there goes his head! <laughs> <laughs> Just That's clean it off! Way. But... but.
1: What I love is, like, the cops are like, oh, we just thought it was a prank gone bad.
2: How is that a
1: prank gone bad?
2: (laughs) I mean, it's Gotham City, so I imagine the pranks can get pretty rough, but, like, you'd at least want to investigate a little bit.
0: They do have the Joker there. Oh, that's another one of the Joker's things. Oh, people just keep getting
2: decapitated. Just another normal day in Gotham. And because I was traumatized by the death of Robin, it's also worth noting the Joker in the death of Robin gets diplomatic immunity. So apparently, Jim Starlin knew the diplomatic immunity was a serious thing for the Batman.
1: This is going to be an issue. He really liked Lethal Weapon 2.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then Batman drove up in his corny ass Batmobile to investigate the scene. It's, you know, that's the weird tone that we're going for. Like, I've been wanting to bring it up because I think it's it's kind of fascinating. This book. I was reading it on the iPad, and my daughter, you know, glanced over me and saw me reading this comic book, and she wanted me to read it to her. And I was like, this book is for adults, honey. Like, I don't think I can read it. But then she was like, but that's Batman, daddy. And I was like, I don't know what time. <laughs> and I think that that's where I go back to this tone thing. It's like, I don't know if I can get over it, really. I mean, at the end of the day, like too many of the corny elements in there that that kind of just snap me out of it. But I love the fact that it's a vulnerable Batman. I love the fact that, that Batman was doing calculus as he was like, I have to shift to this way because, so I can avoid the bullets he's only got 12 in the round so then i'm gonna i'm gonna assault him that was actually him showing me that he's the world's greatest detective without actually telling me that he's the world's greatest detective it's like it's the it's where the villain is and where i'm gonna be three steps ahead of the villain and then he actually is at that moment in time but then the villain thinks of something nefarious like let me throw this van into a school bus and y'all gotta go do your thing batman because i'm out of here
0: the one last thing that i wanted to say is like I, I, did anybody else get a little bit of a spider-man venom feel from this particular book where like did you ever feel like batman was outmatched by kg beast or do you feel like they were on equal footing and just batman was like no this dude is, is serious like this is just going to take a lot of more than just my
2: my normal batarangs to stop well the fact of the matter is batman's on his home turf and kg beast is bringing it to him so you've got to give the nod to the beast <laughs> at least in that regard like not only is he holding his own against batman he's besting him at pretty much every turn then you get that batman at the end that you know he knows even if he can stop him he's just going to get back out on the streets that's what breaks him he knows the beast is out there and and, and just a little bit better i don't know if batman deals with a well
3: i got some real bane vibes from kg beast yeah i could see that
1: like a rough sketch of what bane would eventually be i could see that the calculating nature i I was gonna say i don't know if they've done a story but what it'd be interesting if they did some sort of follow-up where it takes place in post-collapse russia and the kg beast is now just the beast because the kgb is no longer and batman's now on the beast's turf in moscow or leningrad or somewhere and and really get into some geopolitical stuff with like you know post-collapse soviet union and russia and all these other things and oligarchs and the beast and the batman that would be cool uh, They already did that the beast is
2: already cut loose from operation Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> but i did want to mention too ethan was talking about the vibes earlier and this is something that as as a big time comic nerd uh, did anybody else notice the use of Marvel names and references, especially early on in the series. Like, there's an Agent Parker, which, you know, that's an easy one. I can't remember if it was somebody that was killed, but their name is Terry Kavanaugh, And Terry Kavanaugh was somebody that worked in the business, ended up being a somebody big in Marvel back in the day. At one point, they go past the Excelsior Hotel. I was like, ah, I wonder how many Marvel references are in here, and if that's the, the Cold War for DC going and looking at the guys across the street you know as their cagey beasts well i mean
0: jim starlin did make his bones originally at marvel the warlock series and, and eventually he went back to marvel and he wrote uh, infinity gauntlet and stuff like that but um let's go ahead and get to our ratings for this particular four issue run jay scott likes to give us a one out of four scale that's unique to every single
1: show and what do we have this week J A? Well, wow, this was 10 Nights of the Beast, so we're going to go on nights. How many nights is it? Is it a one night, two night? Do well, you want to spend three nights with the Beast, or are you going for the four fool? Oh,
0: five-day, four-night vacation here It always-raining Gotham City <laughs> from our Jimmy Olsen book. It always rains in Gotham. Anyways, we're going to start off with our guest. Uh, Ethan uh, is going to go first. Uh, how many nights
3: are you giving it? I think I'm going to go Three Nights with the Beast. Oh. I think you could substitute a lot of characters for Batman. It's just like I said, it would worked as a James Bond. It was a CBS Murder by Numbers. But, hey, if it works, it works. It's a murder procedural. I loved it. Let's throw Batman. Let's throw Robin in his short pants. Let's throw Commissioner Gordon. Let's hop in the corny-ass Batmobile. Let's keep it rolling, man. All
1: right. He's going to go to J.A. next. J.A., what did you say about this? Yeah, I agree. I like the story. I had real issues with the character design of the beast. I just, uh, I, maybe that's the eighties though. If they, if they do it now, he'll look grittier and you know, less sex dominatrix, I guess. But um, I, I'm going between two and a half and three. It's like almost three nights, but you kind of wake up halfway through the third night. So I guess it's like two and a three quarters uh, and you almost got three full nights of sleep. It was one of those transition books. There's a, The tone was kind of all over the place. It was very gritty in some respects, and then in other respects you still had sort of this campy, kitschy elements from the 60s and, and 70s Batman holdover. I did like that Batman was fallible, that he was up against someone who was better than him. That was something we didn't talk about that much. It wasn't just that the Beast was more physical than him. It was that the Beast was also thinking ahead all the time, just like Batman was. So it was almost like the Batman's Russian counterpoint. And and I liked that about it. Chad, how many nights are you giving it? So I really enjoyed this story. I thought it was
2: a tense thriller. And it was fun to see someone who had the drop on Batman in a legitimate way. It wasn't just... By happenstance, or it wasn't just one good idea that gives him the jump, and then Batman catches up. Like the Beast genuinely had the advantage on Batman, and I'll, I'll credit Ethan in that. Ethan's one who's pointed out how the dichotomy between the the Kitty version of Batman versus the version that's presented here in this story, and how how weird that is. That isn't honestly something I picked up on initially. Although every time I look at that Batmobile, I think about how I have to replace the little plastic bubbles that go Above the driver and passenger side because I got (laughs) I've cracks in my version that came out in 1984 And man, those are hard to find and I don't have to buy a whole new Batmobile because it still works Still has the the claw that comes out of the back and all right. All right. All right. You're rating, You're rating. Okay (laughs) um, but anyway juxtapose that Batmobile with a panel where Batman is on a a van that's about to plow through the kids and he's like the beast shot his wad you've got the KG beast in total gimp gear shooting his wad in a batman book that's somewhere in between something aimed at kids and something comics just aren't for kids and so it's all lost and muddled in the middle in there somewhere there's just so much that doesn't fit together But at the same time, this would have made a killer And it still would make a killer Thriller action movie As I feel like society and entertainment in general Is sort of like shifting back that way Where like people want more and more action They want more macho muchacho stuff I think this would fit right in But it's weird, there are parts of it that don't belong And parts of it that are way more adult than they should be And parts that are way more kiddie than they should be So at the end of the day, I'm going to go 3.5 Three and a half nights to the Beast well, I'm
0: going to go even a little bit higher than that. I'm going to say a 3.75. I really love this book. Again, I actually loved the entire trade. Not only did I read the first four issues, but I just continued to read this uh, this Batman Cape Crusader Volume One because I don't know. It was there was something about not only like some of these classic artists like Jim Apro doing the art, but like something about Jim Starlin's Batman really did scratch a an niche, and it really was almost like tomato soup batman sure you've had it a lot of times but like it was comfort food batman he was fallible which is awesome he was human which is awesome again it had a lot of explosions and and fights and it was really thrilling and batman had to work for every single victory which made them so much more rewarding as a reader and so like Again, I I think I read the entire four issues in one sitting just because I couldn't put it down. And um, I will say it's probably now among, maybe in my top ten Batman stories of all time, just simply because it just tastes good. It just feels good. It's a good Batman. And I would say to fans, eh, it's inconsistent, sure. But what Batman isn't inconsistent? The whole Batman mythology is inconsistent most of the time. So... You might as well have Batman that you like. 3.75. I'm all about it. In any case, what, something else we're all about is our recommendations. And that will be right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for more of the last comic shop right after this. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out mine. My name is Dave and I'm the host of Beer in Front. My podcast is just enjoying the beer that's in front of you. Sometimes we forget about a classic beer while we focus on the new trendy thing. What I try to do each week is to enjoy an old school classic or have a beer that has potential to be a classic. I'll also talk about events of the day. I'll add my spin to things. And each week there are people that really annoy me and I'll call them out as the jag off of the week. That's Beer in Front, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine
1: Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it.
4: We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps,
1: and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers.
2: All right, we're
0: back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our recommendations. Yes, that time of every single show where we give you other comic books in addition to Batman the Cape Crusader Volume 1, which you can find this 10 Nights of the Beast at your local comic book shop. Uh, if you're wondering where our Batman review is, I promise that eventually we'll get to it. Just stay put for these awesome recommendations. And we're going to start off this week
2: With Chad Smith, who's got a recommendation that's fairly current, right? That's right. So recently, the Batman books had a big status quo change where uh, Batman lost his fortune. And he's out wandering around no longer billionaire Bruce Wayne, but just uh, broke old Bruce Wayne. So recently, as of 118, they got a new writer on the book. And the first four-issue story arc was called Abyss. And it turns out someone has taken over Bruce Wayne's old job of bankrolling Batman Incorporated which is a really awesome story from the Grant Morrison days. So Batman has to go and find out what is going on with Batman Incorporated (laughs) Lex Luthor and uh, there's also a new villain called The Abyss that shows up and just like KG Beast Abyss gets his fair share of getting the best of Batman Uh, there's a really cool scene where he blinds him Uh, the story is written by Josh Williamson with art by jorge molina ariano de benito and michael janin and a couple other folks chipping in as well but it's a nice little four-parter if you want something that is current and you're not too worried about all the batman incorporated continuity just know there are crazy batmans all over the world that work for batman sometimes but now They're working for Lex. Uh, Check out the story. It's lots of fun. Okay.
0: And uh, J.A.'s actually got a second uh, Batman recommendation for this week's show, right, J.A.?
1: Yes, and my Batman's coming out of the early 2000s. I'm going to be recommending Batman Hush, which was a story arc that ran from Batman 608 through 619 written by Jeff Lowe, penciled by Jim Lee of X-Men fame. Maybe you know him. I think he did a book here or there in X-Men, kind of famous. Uh, And this basically, it tells the story of this mysterious stalker called Hush, who's intent on sabotaging Batman from afar. Where have we heard that before? And then you get all these villains that have kind of been put on the chessboard and moved around by Hush, so you get, you know, Joker, almost all the full Batman rogue squad. Also, you get a nice fight where Superman has been taken over by Poison Ivy, and Batman and Superman get a little of the throwdown, which is always fun. And it explores some romantic potential between Batman and Catwoman. So you get it all. Uh, It's been collected several times, even if you are into the pencil art and not not a fan of coloring you can get it in black and white yeah that's a tremendous book, and it was one of the books that, in the mid
0: two thousands, actually really got me back into comic books, especially DC comic books. I had not read DC comic books for forever, but then I read Hush, and especially the relationship between Batman and Catwoman, I thought was super intriguing. In that, and, and it just it just hooked me. I, I know my you know my wife, she had bought me it in, in hardback, which is still on my bookshelf. It's one of my treasured parts of my Batman collection, and so yeah, I can definitely recommend that too.
2: Oh, no, it was super exciting. It was a super big swing. That was right as Jim Lee was coming into DC. So that was his first big work was that big 12-issue arc, and it had so many of Batman's greatest hits in there. So not only do you get Batman's greatest villains, but you get to see him drawn by Jim Lee, and you have the really cool Hush story going on too. Yeah.
0: Speaking of Jim Lee, our third recommendation on today's program actually comes from Ethan Larsen. I think he's
3: actually got another Jim Lee book maybe? Y'all sent me down the rabbit hole, man. Soviet villains. So I was thinking, man, you know, um, don't want to do Ed Brubaker's Winter Soldier. No, the library doesn't have that right now. Uh, What about Omega Red? First appearance of Omega Red. X-Men 4 through 7. John Byrne and Jim Lee. And then that got me down the rabbit hole again. And I ended up buying the entire X-Men Volume 2, Chris Claremont, all the Jim Lee art for everything that he's ever done for X-Men that I'm aware of. Very great stuff. $35 on Amazon, which is a steal for basically the X-Men animated series Bible that the entire series was based on. Because when I was a young lad on Fox, Batman, the animated series, and then you had X-Men. So many great memories of of just, you know, great quality X-Men stuff. And y'all just read um, some classic X-Men on last week's episode, so this is a perfect tie-in.
1: What issues do you get in that volume, Ethan? For the x-men from the 90s
3: you get one through 11 but then there's a lot of uncanny stuff i think there's some savage land stuff I, I i don't know i didn't get really into the i really was just focused on more of the 90s x-men nobody cared about the gold team anyways everybody wanted the, the blue team,
1: team. oh yeah thing- they had rogue gambit and wolverine but that even that original story to open it up with magneto taking all the nuclear missiles and pointing them at earth and going up into space and ah oh, some really classic stuff. Great cover. You know, you had to buy like five different issues of issue one just so you could get the full cover, and that's how they sold millions of copies. Marvel doing the dastardly. That was <laughs> the, probably the beginning of the variant cover that plus, we're still stuck were, with to this day.
0: Plus, if you were reading X Men during that time, you got lots of gratuitous.
3: Psylocke butt shots
0: yeah, I mean, for, like I every like, 10 yeah.
3: seconds. And you got a lot of camp and rogue romance. I mean, come on, man. You can't go wrong. No, There's something that? for everybody.
2: I did want to mention, too, in that collection, the biggest thing to me was as soon as uh, Chris Claremont leaves, the X Men played basketball instead of baseball. The X Men always played baseball, but Jim Lee comes in, he's hip, he's fresh. He's going to have him playing basketball and using powers <laughs> and getting yelled at for using powers. But it is worth noting, I, I Googled this guy, uh, you get issues 273 through 280 of the Uncanny X-Men. So there are some Jim Lee issues out there that are not included. But uh, there's plenty of great stuff in that. Jim Lee, and Chris Claremont, X-Men Omnibus, Volume 2. All right. Well, to close out our recommendations this
0: week, mine kind of goes back into some pre-crisis DC, as I've mentioned on some several shows in the past. I've been really connecting with some DC books here in 2022, spurred on by our DC month that we had earlier this year. And uh, I had an opportunity to recently check out uh, a collection of issues that they have now, call it Crisis on Earth One. Uh, that's the name of the storyline. Uh, and it was written by Roy Thomas, and uh, some other issues were written by Jerry Conway, two stalwart Marvel writers. Uh, with some art by Don Heck and a lot of other great people but it really is everything that they got rid of with Crisis of Infinite Earth oh. Justice League of America 207 through 209 plus All-Star Squadron issues 14 and 15 and and really it starts off with basically the Justice League of America having their annual visit with the JSA from Earth 2. So these two groups regularly meet together and shake hands and drink and have a good time. But that is a uh, foil oh. for the fact that instead of the JSA coming over, they get the crime syndicate from Earth 3. That's like Ultraman and Superwoman, basically the bad version of the Justice League of America, Owlman and all those crazy characters who really put a hurting on the Justice League. And from there, it just kind of spirals. The Justice League go back to Earth 2 to see what happened to their JSA compatriots. They find that the Kang of the DC Universe named Ter Degaton, uh, which is not the best name for any supervillain. I prefer Kang. But and he, he's decided that he's going to steal uh, nuclear warheads. From some other Earth And and use them to hold Earth 2 hostage And so it's just an excuse For all of these superheroes Whether it's Superman Power Girl Doctor Fate, Starman Huntress that was the Batman's daughter from Earth 2 Golden Age Green Lantern You get Firestorm You get Hawkman you get Firebrand, Steel, Robot Man, Liberty Bell, Johnny Quick, all these guys. And they're just, they're all over the place. And you know that's how Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway, they're all Marvel folks. So they know how to weave continuities and try to make it make sense. Even though it's all over the place. And and, and, and like the Batman story we read today, it's kind of like tomato soup from my soul. Anytime I need a palate cleanser, anytime I need a... A lemon sorbet after reading something heavy. I always like to go back and read some Silver Age or Bronze Age stuff because they're just simple stories. Good guys, bad guys, punching it out. And this is a great one with FDR and how charismatic he is. I don't know how many times they say it in this this five-issue arc. Is like, oh, that FDR. Boy, I thought Superman was charismatic. No, sir. That guy knows how to fire some people up. Those Darn fireside me. chats will get you degation? I don't Degaton. Per Degatin. Per Degaton. Two words.
1: Per
2: Degaton.
0: Per Degaton. Per
2: Degaton.
0: If, if anybody out, out there knows how to pronounce this guy's name, let me know. I I'm just gonna call him DC Kang from now on. But one thing that we hope that you don't call us is late for dinner.
2: Uh... Ugh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in making sure that we bring you a last comic shop episode every single week and we'll be back with another one next week to make sure that you rate review and subscribe out at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com it's our terrific place where you can find all the podcasting services that we're on you can find links to them uh, you can also follow us on YouTube we've got a lot of variety of not only all of our podcasts available on YouTube but also some bonus footage for all of our fans whether that's interviews with independent creators putting things out on kickstarter and so forth or unboxing of action figures we've got all kinds of great stuff out on our youtube channel all those links available
2: www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com and twitter and instagram at last comic shop
3: look you've, we've had a fleet of dc books that we've reviewed all of our episodes are evergreen go back listen to them the rorschach one that we i just listened to the other day that's a fantastic episode and if you're on there, please give us a five star review. Spotify, Apple Podcasts,
1: we'd really appreciate it. And also available on our website is links to our merch store. If you want to get a Last Comic Shop T-shirt or tote bag, this week only some Last Comic Shop Gimp costumes.
2: <laughs> Does it come My in latex? My own Chad Smith. What? What? <laughs> <Seven months! laughs> I do not support that. Uh, but I do support comic shops. If you want to know how to support your local comic shop, you can uh, seek them out with the comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com where you might show up and ask if they have any Batman 10 Nights of the Beast with KG Beast, which we found in a collection that was called Batman the Cape Crusader Volume 1. With Jim Starlin, Jim Apparel, Mike DiCarlo. And if you like that, maybe you want to try some of other recommendations, such as Batman Abyss by Josh Williamson and a bunch of others. Or maybe you want to go with Batman Hush by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. Maybe you don't have enough Jim Lee in your life, so you want Jim Lee in The X-Men with Chris Claremont in The Omnibus Volume 2. Or maybe you just want some classic silliness, and you can go with Crisis on Earth 1. Find all that and more at your local comic shop today all right and until next week i was the host with the most
0: Andy larson i was joined by chad smith and j.a scott as well as my wonderful brother ethan larson stay safe stay warm well uh, stay tuned we going to do the movie review we got to do the movie review nobody cares about that right uh, we'll see you next week
2: oh batman
0: all right yeah yeah we're gonna give you a batman review we're not going away we promised this the whole show
2: this is one of those uh after the credit figures. <laughs> exactly
0: see i should stick around through all of our bullshit at the end of every show because right. you might get bonus stuff guys when we start talking about where to subscribe and stuff stick around because you might get stuff like this and uh, again we are going to do that batman review if you've wondered where ja and ethan are for this segment they're not on it because they actually didn't see it and we didn't want to spoil it for them so for all other last comic shop fans that didn't see this movie go ahead and just stop the podcast right now come back after you've seen the movie and then you can listen to the rest of this show but now it is time for spoiler. and uh, to join us for this uh, particular segment we've actually got the wonderful mikey wood so Ooh. you're getting a double dose of guest hosts on this week's show mikey Welcome back to the program, buddy. Yeah, I'm,
4: I'm just – I'm pissed that you didn't ask me to review Ten Nights of the Beast because when I was a kid, when I, I read that when it was coming out, I liked it so much that I went out and I spent, like, all this – allowance money on a mike zek portfolio which was like 11 by 17 black and white prints of the covers wow. like, I, I, it's, it's somewhere it's somewhere i bought a couple of portfolios like i have the, the the bill sankiewicz shadow one but the yeah the mike zek one was was pretty cool he did a lot of gi joe covers too like really oh, good yeah. ones. him and michael golden like michael golden's covers back then were so good
0: uh, but anyway yeah batman uh, Right,
3: exactly. It's time the to talk Bat. about
0: the Batman review. And since, Mikey, you're on this segment, uh, why don't you hit us up with that 10 cent synopsis? What happened in the uh, Batman? We joined Batman in his second year
4: of activity, and he is trying to stop a serial killer, the Riddler, who is preying on members of Gotham's political elite. Well, yeah, sort of political elite. Um, and then a bunch of stuff happens. I don't want to like 10 cent synopsis is that. All right. Yeah. right.
0: Let's yeah. just cut to the chase. Initial thought, I mean, I'm going to say that I enjoyed it. No point did I feel like I I was bored. Kept my intention for the full three hours, but I did look at Chad when the movie was over and I said, this was an hour too long. Too long to be a movie, yet too short to be a TV show. Because I could have also saw this as a TV show, right? Like there were parts of this movie in which you could have said that was the end of the episode. I, I even recall at one point, there's this whole thing about like the Riddler trying to lead Batman to eventually kill uh, this crime boss, or at least allow the Riddler to kill him and crime boss dies. And at that point I was like, okay, the movie's over because I completely forgot <laughs> about the Riddler because I was like, Oh, they got the crime boss. Okay. That's the end of the thing. So that was just, that's right. my
2: initial thought. I really enjoyed it, but I, I still thought it was an hour too long. No, definitely. I agree with you. And I think there were multiple points where they could have ended the movie and it would have been fine. There was a point in an hour and a half I'm like, all right, good movie. Let's go. And then another point, a half an hour later, two hours in, like I would check my watch a little bit like, hey, this has been fun. All right. right, let's go. <laughs> but it just kept going. And so mm. it, it's weird because there aren't parts I can look at and say, oh, that was bad. You could cut that out or, oh, you didn't need that for the story. But I definitely feel like this is a movie that is gonna fare even better once it's on uh, home release, where you can take breaks in the middle. <laughs> what What did you think, Mikey? See that I I wanted more. I wanted more. But see, see, there's this
4: thing lately. People have started to complain about movies that are over two hours long. Yeah, and Everest. I I don't get that. Like. This didn't feel like three hours for me, and just like just like four hours, just didn't feel like four hours to me. The the Lord of the Rings movies, the extended versions, don't feel like three hours. To, and 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 this this Batman, I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to see more of it like i like that world that they said this this is the most realized gotham i think of all the batman movies like even even the burton burton's gotham had more style to it had much more of a recognizable sort of style to it but it was just kind of there and this one like just feels like the worst place
0: in the world like it just you know yeah like like what you've said about star wars like the reason why star wars works is because it feels lived in Like, Mm -hmm. this is a lived-in Gotham? I can see that. It's also a rainy Gotham. Boy, the Waynes must have made their fortune just selling umbrellas.
2: What what I wanted to say about Gotham was, I thought this was the most, like, comic-accurate Gotham, Mm -hmm. in that you had all the aspects that come to play in the comic books, whether it's the seedy underbelly, the corrupt politicians, the gangsters, and then you had Mm -hmm. the colorful characters, the villains-like the Riddler or Catwoman or the Penguin running around. You know, there was that certain amount of insanity that came into play. But uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that struck me, and I, I'm very curious to see how non comic fans react to this movie. I thought this was this strange mix of brutal realism <laughs> along with the absolute ridiculousness that comes along with comics. Like you would go from <laughs> one scene where the Riddler is pummeling the mayor with a shovel and hitting him too many times and you know, i would be comfortable letting my kids watch but at the same time you go to uh the media is all like hey you want to see people get murdered let's put <laughs> it on tv <laughs> mm-hmm. or like there's a scene where alfred spoiler, uh gets blown up and is laying there in a coma and immediately upon waking up bruce wayne is not does shows no concern for his well-being whatsoever he's like <laughs> Hey Al, I've got beef. Yeah, sits there and lays into about secrets that Alfred's been. No, yeah, no, no. and he's got
0: the patience of a saint. This this Alfred, because like instead of like asking for a glass of water or being like, hey, by the way, I just took a bomb for you, buddy. Like he immediately is like, okay, fine, we're gonna hash this
2: out. Come on, You don't
4: don't know if he's woken up earlier throughout the day or (laughs)
2: anything like that. You know, no, emo Bruce is there waiting for him, ready to pounce, eyeliner and all
4: couple of friends of mine said that they didn't like this version of bruce wayne and and i see him as he's still two years into it he's more howard hughes than hugh hefner and that playboy persona is right is fake that's not who he is that's the mask that he puts on batman is who he is but that whole conversation with alfred is important because of what he says at the end of it i couldn't handle it again if i lost somebody else because of this stuff and he met alfred and he holds his hand they have a conversation about how alfred's not
0: his father but it's the closest thing to a father that they have so so it was it was heartfelt like i yeah. don't i mean i will i will say by the way this is the toughest alfred i've ever seen in a film yeah this is like gun Runner alfred right <laughs> this, this, this is like
2: dirty
4: Yeah, this is this is Alfred from the um, the Earth One graphic novels. If you ever read the Earth One graphic novels, Alfred was friend of Thomas Wayne's from some kind of military thing. Yeah, he was brought in as a bodyguard. He was posing as a butler for them. And he walked with a cane because he has an artificial leg and all these other things. I mean, that's the Alfred that took a shotgun to the penguin in the second volume of that spoiler alert. Yeah, like that Alfred is a badass. And that's who this one is. And you don't get. That's my only co- real complaint is that he gets a little bit short shifted, but it was a big movie with a lot going on. Right. So, so. Well,
0: I, I could say that about the Bruce Wayne character in general. I mean, you get some moments like this in there, yeah. and then you get some moments with like Selena Kyle, but honestly, like even mm-hmm. the character of Bruce Wayne is. it it's an afterthought in itself. Like the movie's really about Batman. To your point, yeah. you know, that's his real persona. That's really what you're here for is to see, and if anytime he's not with the mask, he like, he has his hat over his, his eyes or he's, he's going someplace. And really you get like two scenes, that one with Alfred, a couple scenes with Selena, and maybe that one where he goes to what, Falcone. And and yeah, which by the way, John Turturro, really great. He is really great. That was pitch perfect casting
4: there. The thing that's really cool about this one that you don't get from other Batman versions, I don't think. Bruce Wayne died in that alleyway with his parents. That person may have survived. The physical body may have survived. But. Bruce Wayne, as a person, he's he's gone, and, and all he is is this mission of vengeance. And that's and he says it over and over again, vengeance, 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 until right. towards the end when he realizes that that's, Gotham doesn't need vengeance. It needs something else. Yeah. You know?
2: Vengeance might be a bad thing when vengeance yeah. is all of a sudden blowing up all the, the docks right. and flooding well, the city. Because that's exactly what – if
4: one thing went differently in his life, he would have been – Nashton or or, or or the Riddler, I think it was Edward Nashton. Riddler right Na- right in the comics has had different names. It was e- Edward Nigma, it was Edward Nashton, it was. And they've done Batman stories like that before, where where you see that all it takes is like one
0: little twist and he'd be a villain. One other thing that I and I think that you'll appreciate too, Mikey and I was telling Chad that uh, I, I really like any time when they take the Batman and they get back to his Golden Age roots and actually his pulp roots. Like that, the Batman in essence was originally created as like, hey, the shadow's popular, the spider's popular, and we're mm-hmm. gonna make a, a comic book version of that, and that's really what the Batman is. I really like the fact that like in this one, it's almost like Batman had his his network of agents. Anytime Mm -hmm. they play into that, like the shadow, like, for example, my one of my favorite scenes is when he puts the contact lenses in Selena Kyle and sends her in to do reconnaissance. That's Batman being the tactician. That's Batman being like the the puppet master pulling the strings in the background, getting information to set up what he's going to do next. Whether it was that, whether it was his relationship with Gordon in this, which I just thought the guy that played Gordon. Yeah, that was a great Gordon. Well, I mean.
4: Gary Oldman's Gordon was really good too, but th- this one is just, um, I don't know. There's something about it that I, that I enjoyed more. It may not be my favorite one. Like Batman Returns is still my favorite Batman movie for whatever reason, but that's a cartoon. And this right. one is not, this one is, it, it's not likely, but it's plausible.
2: Like <laughs> like you could see this is actually happening right somewhere. No, And that honestly is one of the other points I wanted to make too. I talked about the ridiculousness of so much, so much of the stuff that happens in this movie. But there was a lot of really grounded, realistic stuff happening to the point. There were some choices they made that I don't know if I would have made them were I in charge, but at the same time, I thought they were effective. Like the way they turned the Riddler into the social media maniac with his cult of followers, uh, amassing an army that way and inspiring legions like he does. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember back when the Joker movie came out, everybody was worried about copycats. Like there's a lot of crazy stuff here that does seem so grounded in reality like heaven forbid i hope it doesn't happen
4: it, it played with that sort of social media kind of thing uh really well because that's that's how it would be now you know right this was the first time we
0: see like a real detective kind of vibe oh um, yeah it okay. was just really cool yeah. yeah we do have only a limited time on this segment so let's go ahead and get to the that rating scale and we'll just do a, a standard one out of four Batarangs. We'll go ahead and start with uh, Chad. How many Batarangs are you going to give this particular movie?
2: All right. I'm going to try to keep this as concise as possible. I loved the majority of the casting. Colin Farrell as the Penguin, uh, where he's part Bobby De Niro, part Orson Welles. That was tons of fun. Selena Kyle was great. Even the Paul Dano's Riddler were, like, not the Riddler that I would have wanted to see, but what they did with it was was very creepy very like close to reality, very disturbing. And I thought Paul Dano did a great job. My only complaint: there's just something about Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman that I, I I'm not buying into yet. And I don't know whether it is the fact that his Bruce is just a broken human. You know, I, I want more out of my Bruce Wayne than that. So that that's one area where I ding this a little bit. The other was as much as I enjoyed the movie, and I did enjoy the movie three hours is too long for a movie unlike mikey i want to nominate a two-hour cap for all movies going forward here for forever there's no reason this batman movie should be this long because there are so many breaks where you could have ended this movie just you want to make something serialized make something serialized don't keep me in the theater for three hours it's madness um but everything that was in it was fun i enjoyed the car chase i enjoyed the ridiculousness of gotham media i enjoyed at the end of the car chase When the car's upside down, and so they're filming upside down, and Batman just kind of like walks over. And they had those moments of fun while still keeping that dark, grim, and gritty aspect of Gotham, where you really felt like this was the crazy pants Gotham that's in all the comic books. So at the end of the day, it it has its flaws. It's not perfect, but did I enjoy the heck out of it? Yes. So three out of four
4: better. All right, Mikey, you're up. Oh, Well, yeah, quickly, the, the thing with Colin Farrell is... If we didn't know it was Colin Farrell, we would never have known that was Colin Farrell. Like, didn't look like him, didn't sound like him. It was incredible. But anyway, I, you know, it's like I want to give it a four. Like, I do. I want to give it a f- Matt Reeves does not make bad movies. Clover Field um, and the two apes movies. He just doesn't make bad movies. Like, it is a really good Batman movie. So I'm, so I'm going to slap a four on it because wow. I want to. Because I want to.
2: Yeah, you do it's what not you my want. Favorite,
4: it's not my favorite one,
0: but but I think it's as good as Dark Knight. I don't know. It's awesome. All right, uh, with Chad, I'm gonna give it a three bad rings out of four. I, I go back to my original comment, where like if you wanted to make a TV show, like to Mikey's point, if you wanted more then put out on Netflix because this would have been great that way i know that maybe matt reeves we wouldn't have directed a tv series but yeah, who knows like james gunn did it with uh peacemaker mm-hmm. you know you could have spent a little bit more time on bruce and alfred's relationship you could have spent more time on batman and, and gordon's relationship and, and and you could have you know broke it up so that it when it would get to certain points it felt like yeah it's time for me to, to to close down for the week. I'll be back next week. But instead, now you're. What about, about the, the
2: heat between Catwoman and Batman? That was palpable. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and you could have you could have built that up a little bit more. She was she
4: was fantastic. Michelle Pfeiffer was fantastic in a different manner, but she was like the the, the Selena that is in my head when I read Tom King's Batman and Catwoman books.
0: Well, and That's the way that I feel about uh, Robert Pattinson. I, I mean, I, I liked his Batman. I didn't care for his Bruce Wayne at all, but like, I liked his Batman. I really liked his Batman when he got into fights because I liked how the fact that he would take on like 16 guys and he would, this was a vulnerable Batman. This is a guy that took shots. He wasn't the greatest ninja. He wasn't the greatest detective. He wasn't the greatest scientist. He was still learning the ropes and when people punched him, oh, he got pissed. Again, that intensity was there. And you could see that he was angry and, and that he was letting it out. And, 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 and that was good. It, it gave you stakes and you cared about him. And he took shotgun blasts to the chest and he almost died several times. So, again, I don't like a Batman that it can just overcome any obstacle and, and nothing will ever stop him. And even nuclear weapons won't. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I prefer this kind of Batman. And, I, and, and so, yeah, I, I, to Chad's point, there wasn't a part of this movie I didn't like. It's just that I don't want to sit in a movie theater for three hours anymore. I don't. I I would rather sit at my house and watch it 45 minutes at a time. If you want to throw everything in the kitchen sink at me, which is what this movie kind of did. They were like, I don't know if we're going to get another Batman. So let's just throw it all out there. Let's just throw it out there.
2: This was good, but it was still too long. I forgot to bring up my
4: unpopular opinion about this movie. Pattinson was really, really good. I think it would have worked just as well if they kept Affleck in it and it was a Batman who was at it for 20 years instead of a Batman who was at it for two years, I think it would have worked just as well.
0: All right. That's the hot take to finish off this, this week's episode of the last comic shop. Make sure that you tune in to us every single week. As we mentioned before, by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. And what did you think of Batman? If you've seen it, leave us those comments on our Twitter and Instagram at Last Comic Shop. We'll be back next week with Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman and P. Craig Russell and a bunch of other folks.
2: That's it. Thanks for hopping on, Mikey.
0: Thanks for having me hop on it. Yeah. That's gross.
2: <laughs>
0: the Last Comic Shop was. A 2022 Black Angus Production.